everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are doing a little bit of a catch-all when it comes to the High Republic. We're going to be talking about the High Republic comics, The Edge of Balance, which just came out by Justina Ireland, and Tempest Runner, the new audio drama from Kevin Scott. But before we get into that, as always, um, we do have some recommendations. So both of us saw Shang-Chi. Very good. Amazing. Amazing. I, so, I have this um, guy I work with. He's one of the security guards. And his son is really into Marvel, so they always go and see the movies. He came up to me this weekend, and he was like, did you see John Key? And I was like, yeah, I loved it. And he made this face. Oh. Like he, was, he was like, I don't know. But what? he... Pr- he proceeded to tell me that he saw it at the drive-in and the people next to him were awful and smoked. Oh, and like, okay. Basically, I think he just had a bad experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. Because this movie's amazing. Yeah. Like, top well, actually, tier. Actually, like, my cousin my uncle said it was good, not amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Really? Like, it's in my top five for Marvel. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The fight scenes were so good. It's and it's a very funny movie. Um, Simu and Aquafina's um like chemistry. Like I don't mean like romantic chemistry, I just mean like their The way they play off each yeah, other. Yeah, it's like so good. They're so so funny. Her character Katie in this movie mm-hmm. was so good. Like, she was the perfect foil to be like yeah. this outsider I'm in so, here. I'm so excited that she's gonna be in more. Like, I was kind of worried that she would just be, like, this sidekick character who has, like, no powers or no, nothing to bring to, like, the table of, like, the superhero world. But, like, she clearly does. And I'm, I'm like, I'm so excited. Well, and, like, she, you know, gets her little, like, superhero moment, too, at the <laughs> end, which was so good. And, like, can we talk about Shang-Chi's sister? Yeah. The girl boss. Yeah, the she she's like twenty years old, like girl bossing, uh, out girl bossing everyone. Yeah, I love <laughs> how they like set up uh, Sharon, Sharon <laughs> to be like, you know, she was the power broker and like all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But then here comes like Jianning, and mm-hmm. she's like literally the girl boss. <laughs> Just, wow. I'm so excited to see more of these characters. Simu mm-hmm. is a delight. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see him interact with Paul Rudd. Ah, and they're both <laughs> San Francisco natives. Yes. Uh, and I'm, Simu, like, he was, like, talking a lot about how much he loves Captain Marvel. Like, him and Brie Larson are going to be so cute. Yeah. Oh, have you seen the interview where he was, like, um, I think Tom Hiddleston, Tom Holland um, sent him messages? Yeah. <laughs> So cute. He is in love with Tom Middleston, especially Loki. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I love him because he's one of us. It's absolutely amazing. It's true. He, like, Simu really is, like, a fan first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fan first. Absolutely. Also with Marvel, um, we have been getting more and more What If episodes. The most recent one was What If Zombies. Which was kind it of was interesting. Dark. <laughs> it, it was just like wow. What was the one previous to that? Remind I think it was me. the Doctor Strange one. Oh, that was dark too. <laughs> oh, that was sad. That was like WandaVision depressing. It really was. Oh, and man. honestly, though, like it did so much for Doctor Strange. I was like, you know what? I like Doctor Strange now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like. You know, but what if the Avengers were happy? What if they were just all What, what if Wanda was happy? What, what if Wanda and Vision lived happily ever after? What if Loki was happy? <laughs> what if Bucky and Steve fell in love? <laughs> Come on, Marvel. This is what we want to see. Um, but you sent me today, posted the cast that'll be doing season, season two. two. Yeah, and Tom, it seems like Tom Holland is going to voice Spider-Man in season two, which he did not in season one. And Brie Larson also. I, I don't think Brie Larson voice is uh, Captain Marvel in season one. I don't think so. But to me, like, it'll still work because these are all, like, in oh, the multiverse. Yeah, yeah, I'm, like, I'm so excited that they're going to they're gonna come into the fold. I saw that Florence Pugh is going to... Um, 
play Yolanda in season two. Oh my god. <laughs> you want to talk about Yolanda? Yeah, Alex just randomly out of the blue told me today. She's like, hey, did you know that Yelena is like a canonically a sexual character? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I only found out today. I was not holding back this information. <laughs> okay, yeah, but like our, our mutual friend Tammy, she is also asexual. We talk about this stuff all the time. And I just messaged her and she knew and she and- didn't tell me. <laughs> I was like, excuse me. Um, so now I have... Um, shifted perspectives. Um, I do still want that. Um, what is her name? What is Hawkeye's daughter's Kate. name? Kate. Yeah, Yelena and Kate. They're gonna be besties, and they're gonna murder her dad. <laughs> I don't know if Kate's gonna murder her dad. But That's the plot of I'm the Hawkeye still show. Hoping that Yelena murders her dad. Yeah. Listen, I would still be here for it. She can murder her dad, and then Kate can chase after her, and then they can become besties, and Yelena can teach her how to braid her hair. Like, I'm here for that. I want to, like, loop back to Shang-Chi for one second. Did you not think the power broker was going to end up showing up at the end? Yes. Yeah. Just the way it was set up, I thought that they were going to make that tie-in. They didn't do it. I kind of feel like that's a dead end. Like, mm-hmm. the the power broker stuff with Sharon. It's just a little weird. <laughs> Though, if we're being perfectly honest, the thing that has made the least amount of ripples is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, no one talks about it anymore. No. Like, it, it set up, you know, Sam being Captain America, which is amazing. And, like, yeah. Bucky was so good in it. But, like, it's not doing the same things or, like, leading into other things like mm-hmm. WandaVision and Loki Well, Sam is. is getting his own Captain America movie. Captain America 4 is going to be yeah. Falcon. Um, now, it's going to be the same writer as Falcon in The Winter Soldier, which I feel iffy about. Well, I, I feel like the real problem with Falcon and The Winter Soldier was that they cut a lot of stuff out, mm-hmm. like, for time, you know? Like, it was originally yeah. supposed to be longer. I kind of just feel like a lot of things didn't hit good enough. Like, yeah. the clarity wasn't there. <laughs> what if Falcon and the Winter Soldier was more clear? <laughs> <laughs> um, but pivoting away from Marvel, because um, Marvel is everything right now. We're going to talk, once we're kind of done with new Star Wars stuff coming out, we are going to talk about, like, Loki and some Marvel stuff, which is super exciting. Um, but also, Ted Lasso continues to not disappoint. It's so good. So on Thursday night, like, I saw a tweet from, I guess it was one of the writers saying, like, do not look at spoilers. Like, avoid the internet on Friday until you watch the new episode. And I'm so glad I didn't run into any spoilers. So yeah, because it, so it was so good. It was, like, I just... So much. So much character development. So much growth is happening. I just, like, what are yeah. we... What, What's going to happen? Like, do you know how many episodes are left? Um, that was eight? That was episode yeah, eight? So I it's probably so. ten. Mm. I feel like something's yeah. going to happen. So I, I just want to say I recommend Ted Lasso a lot from Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. You might just look like a sports TV show, but it's not. <laughs> there are um, three, I would say, like, three main women characters in the show. And they're all so different, and they're, I'm so invested in their stories. Well, and all the men just radiate written by women energy. Yeah. Like, it's, I, I, I said this to you when we were watching um, this latest episode. I'm like, how is this, like, the most femme gaze show I've ever seen when there's so <laughs> many men writing it? Like, I, But it's, it's very 50-50. When you it look, really is. And when you look at the direct list for the episodes it's like literally 50 50 percent women directors and male directors like split it's amazing and i will also say like it did take me probably an episode or two before i was like really settled because my brain was still like could not comprehend i actually took like a pretty long break between i i want to say like episode two and three and then continuing the series because i was like this is a sports show. Yeah. No, no, well, it's like, not. Because I was like, yeah, Ted Lasso's delightful, but I don't understand what's happening. And then, like, once you get it, you just, like, 
it's just so delightful. <laughs> it's just so nice every it's time. It's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> but the, don't get me wrong. If you like angst, there's angst. Oh, 100%. Like, there is a lot of angst. Like, <laughs> it's so wonderful, but it hurts me. Which is what we want. Like, <laughs> this yeah. is the show that we want. <laughs> All right, so moving into the news, um, there are a couple of things coming out soon. So as of this episode coming out, the Love Hypothesis will be out uh, September 14th. Very, very, very excited about this book. Yeah. Support your fellow Raylos. I know we don't really talk about Raylo anymore, but we're still very hardcore Raylos. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like... <laughs> You know, we were so entrenched in the fan fiction in, like, 2018, 2019. We read this when it was fan fiction. That early 2018 pocket. The first six months of 2018. (laughs) Of bad fan fiction. (laughs) But then we discovered good fan fiction. I know. I know. I just, like, this is so exciting to see. That journey that we went from, like... Us, like, finding random links on Tumblr to us, like, <laughs> forming Google Docs with friends to find good fix and, like... Well, and, like, us, like, recognizing authors. authors like, authors like, that we like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was literally like a little book club with fan fiction. Yeah. And this was one that was so cute. If you read it when it was on AO3, it was called Head Over Feet. And it's just, like, I'm so excited to see this in book form. Um, I'm excited to review it on my channel, too, because it's just, like, Raylo authors. This is what we want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also, um, Landscapes with a Blur of Conquerors is going to be a book. Yeah. Has some things up her sleeve. God, that's going to (laughs) be... That that has, like, such City of Brass vibes. Yeah. Uh, it's so magical. It's so magical. I'm so excited for everyone getting published. Mm-hmm. And like, there's there's Kate who's publishing her own story. It's not a mm-hmm. it's not a Raylo story, but it's like everyone is so successful. I'm so happy. I know. I just want like a whole shelf dedicated to like Raylo these authors. Raylo authors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like these ladies are so talented. Like, yeah. so freaking like, talented. Like, they're writing, they're writing top-tier fiction. Yeah, like, play to win, like, not even kidding. Oh my gosh. Just so good. One of the best pieces of fiction I have ever read. We could plant. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sometimes I go back and read the last few chapters of that. Yeah. I just, it's so good. <laughs> it's just, it's so comforting and it just fills that void and it just takes me back to a simpler time. Uh, it makes me so, so happy. But yes, that will be out September 14th, which is the same day that this episode comes out. Um, I highly encourage anybody to go out and support this. Um, I'm so excited to see it. The cover art was also done by an artist who do- has done a lot of Raylo. Lilithsor, right? Yeah, Lilithsor. I love her art oh so gosh. much. It's so good. Her not safe for work art is really great too. <laughs> she she's really good. <laughs> like I wish, damn. Like I wish I was good that good at anatomy. Like that takes some <laughs> like talent, hard yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's spectacular. Um, so yes, definitely go and check out the Love Hypothesis. Um, on September twenty second, so the next week, we will be getting Star Wars Visions on Disney Plus. Jordan Fisher's in this. Dude, this cast. I <laughs> you ever just look uh, at this cast? <laughs> the cast is perfect. Simu's in it. Simu's in it. Christopher Sean's in it. Henry Golding. Oh, yeah. Henry Golding. Henry Golding. Neil Patrick Harris. Glenn. <laughs> like, this could be a musical. They, they like, hired so many people who are musically talented, like Kamiko, uh, Jordan, Neil Patrick Harris. It could be a musical. Star Wars musical, please. I'm gonna die. I'm just, I'm I'm actually, like, so excited for Visions. I just love Jordan Fisher a lot. <laughs> I, I'm so happy he's in Star Wars. Like, 
what a baby. And his, and his character, character looks like him. Yeah, he posted on his story, like, pointing to the character that's him, and it looks just like him. So exciting. And we will be, um, we'll talk about Star Wars Visions in our next episode, because are those dropping all at once or weekly? Oh, I think at once. I think it wants to. Um, but either way, we will be talking about that next time. So I'm very, very excited. And Ronin, too, is soon. Yes, that comes out October 12th. So that's the next book that'll come out. Um, the latest one was Edge of Balance, and the next one will be Ronin. And then you know what's after that? Star Wars movies. Uh, well, I was going to say Queen's Hope, but also oh, Star Wars movies. Queen's Hope. You mean, no, is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what it's called. Oh, yeah, she wanted to call it Queen's Gambit and couldn't. That's why I'm getting confused. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Yes, but Star Wars movies. There was a little updated schedule of, like, when to expect the next movies for Star Wars. Yeah. 2023 is Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins. I don't know how how to feel about that. I was excited when it was announced, and then... Are you dreading it? (laughs) I'm just... (laughs) The problem is (laughs) the Ahsoka show and Mando season two. Yeah. Is the problem. Yeah, yeah, and High Republic is hitting it out of the park. Yeah. And this is Rogue Squadron. It's a post-Tross timeline. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna um, die. Okay, so then, like, I've had, like, some talks about the other two movies, 2025 and 2027. 2025 is probably Taika's movie, right? Do we think that? Probably. Because he said that he I already would, has I, a story. I think you could assume that. He already has yeah. his story, like, kind of down. And then 2027, is that Ryan? And if it is, that'd be the beginning of a trilogy with... Ten years after The Last Jedi. Exactly. Ten years, can you imagine? Ten years. What is what is time? I know we're like only actually four years out of the Last Jedi, so it's like it hasn't been that long. But no, Alex, we're gonna be in our thirties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those of you keeping up, I just turned twenty-five. Alex is about to turn twenty-seven. <laughs> so the moms of the Star Wars fandom. <laughs> I accept oh my gosh. the challenge. I accept it. I listen. I I am nothing if I am not the crone. <laughs> I was born the crone. <laughs> I skipped maiden and mother and came out as the crone. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know what to think about Rogue Squadron. It's too soon to really know. Yeah, I'm more excited for Taika's. Oh, yeah. Well, Love and Thunder is going to be spectacular and i do love taika's episode of mando it's really funny i know people like don't like the the joke with baby yoda getting hit by the stormtroopers but i i think it's funny i think it's funny i think it 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 fits (laughs) like the the humor was very star warsy yeah which was awesome okay but that is going to bring us finally to talking more about the high republic so we just got the edge of balance um that came out september 7th we also just got tempest runner which came out at the end of august and then the volume one for the comics which was issues one through five just came out as well so where would you like to begin alex um edge of balance is the most fresh in my mind i think Mm -hmm. so i think we should go with edge of balance yeah let's talk about it um before we get started i i do want to kind of like touch on the timeline of events um as like a refresher because i was looking at this again so we had the great disaster which was you know the ships crashing in hyperspace All that got sorted out in Light of the Jedi. And then a year later was the attack on Valo and the Republic Fair. And then months, uh, that's all we know, months later, they're still fighting the Nile. Um, They assume that Lorna D is the Eye. They attack her ship. They presume she is dead. 
And that's where we're at currently. They think they've taken out the eye and that they're scrambling yeah. to find a new leader. And the Nile are kind of scrambling and hiding away to regroup. So what's that's where we are at currently. Mm-hmm. So where are we at with Edge of Balance? So I, I feel like we should give a spoiler warning now since we're going to go in and talk about it. Yeah. But um, so spoiler warning. Edge of Balance is written by Justina Ireland. Um, and it is a manga. It's the first manga of the High Republic. What's interesting here is that it throws you into this new story that obviously is still like, connected to all of the High Republic stuff. But for the most part, it's new characters, except for Stellan does show up. But everyone else is new characters. So I personally, this is not like a criticism on the story whatsoever. I personally had a hard time at the beginning really enjoying it because... We've had all these characters that they've built up for the past year, and we have a really good sense of who they are. We have, like, this rich, like, character building from these other characters, like, people like Vernestra, like, Elzar, like, all those characters. There's, like, this richness to it because they've built it up over months. So coming into a story with brand new characters, it kind of felt weird, and it I felt a hard time connecting to the characters because of the visual aspect of it and me not completely understanding who these characters are. I totally agree with you because I felt exactly the same way. I personally think, so instead of this coming out to close out phase two, I think it should have come out during phase one, specifically after Into the Dark, which is when the Dringir are introduced because the Dringir are the main villain in Edge of Balance. And, like, if you're keeping up with the comics, by the time you get to the fair and all that, they defeat the Dringir. So you are kind of going back in time a little bit with this comic. Yeah, you're right. It does feel like we took a step back and weren't told any new information. Like, we didn't really gain anything from the manga, like, in terms of, tidbits that we should know going forward it was a lot of like repeat of stuff we already know with these brand new characters that we don't really have an attachment to right yeah i would say like the one thing that this manga did introduce that was new was that normally whenever we see the dream gear they just eat everybody right because like people are meats but in this Mm -hmm. they turned their victims into wood yo yeah this is insane (laughs) And they don't know why. They have no idea why <laughs> this happened. Um, so which tells me that I don't think we're quite finished with the Dream Gear. Yeah. This is where, um, is it Master Arkop gets, like, a, a tree arm? No, that's Skier gets a tree arm. Oh, that's that's in the, in the Marvel comics. I know. See, <laughs> there's so many characters in High Republic. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, but there is um, Master Arkoff in this. He's a Wookiee, and at the end of this, he gets recruited by Stellan to go fight the rest of the Nile, which leaves our main character, Lily, um, in charge of this, like, outpost here in the Outer Rim. And I like Lily. I liked her... I like the style... Like, she looked really cool. I liked her lightsabers. She reminded me a little bit too much of Vernestra. Yeah. I found myself reading this and thinking, like, this could have been a Vernestra story. Yeah. Like, she even had a, a Padawan that was very Emiri. And she was very, um, like, questioning of, of her abilities to teach and be, like, a leader to the mm-hmm. younglings and the Padawans. Like, that was, like, a reoccurring thing. Yeah, I definitely, and especially because it's Justina, feels like it should have been a Vanessa story. Yeah, I, I almost feel like it could have been, I mean, this is setting up to be like a, a kind of like a series. Like, this was a part one. Yeah. It left off with a to be continued. But it almost feels like it could have been a little connector with Vernestra on this outer mm-hmm. planet. She's doing other stuff, like, in her story, but her and Lily are just very similar, is this going to be a two-parter, sort of like how the Lost Stars manga was? Maybe. I'm not sure how many issues it's going to be. I don't know if they ever said. 
Um, but like, so they're the whole point of this is that they're relocating people who were displaced by the great disaster. I do like the tr- the um, I almost said the tree because we're going to talk about the trees. <laughs> I do like the planet they're on called Banshee. It's mm-hmm. full of these really beautiful trees, and like the Jedi Temple is like built into this tree. Um, so it's full of refugees, and what happens is is um, a Nile agent kind of gets stuck in there with the refugees, and he's the one who plants the Dringir on this planet. Um, and I, that's where it left off with, like, the to be continued. Like, we know who he is, but I'm like, what's the play? Like, what's the play here? Why, why are we getting this story now, I feel like, is the question. Yeah. It, it is interesting. Why is, why are we taking this step back? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, like, hope that, like, going forward in the next section of it, there's going to be something interesting that we're going to gain. But I, I'm worried that this kind of just got pushed to the side because Justina was busy writing other stuff. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to do the manga. But it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't feel like it fits in phase two. Or wave, wave two, wave two. Yeah, wave two. Um, I will say this for it. It's very it's like a very nice and like YA middle grady I feel like if because the comics are kind of (laughs) heavy yeah Um, so like if the comics are a little bit too much like this is a great starting point Mm -hmm. because it's action heavy it's fun um there's not a ton going on um whereas with the comics like I had to really go back and like read all the summaries and be like okay do I remember what everything that happened to these comics yeah And, like, this is the first time that I'm looking at something in Wave 2 and thinking, like, actually, in re- if I was going to give someone a reading order, like, a fresh High Republic reading order, like, this would be, like, n- not where the release is. Like, it would be no. a lot earlier. Yeah, I-, I would put this after Into the Dark because we don't see enough of the Dren gear, I feel like, because yeah. they're all in the comics, you know? Um, I think this would have been a cool place to be, like, after you kind of find out about them. And that then you see, like, the Nile are using them. And it would have had a little bit more connective tissue that way, I feel. Um, but another positive. Stellan Geos. He's so hot. Man. He's, he's drawn, like, really hot in this. <laughs> like, the second I opened it up to him, I was like, oh, my God, who is this man? And then it was Stellan Geos. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really like if rising storm didn't do it for you like you they really want you to know that Stellan Geos is a very attractive man <laughs> well all three of our main like adult jedis are very attractive yes yes <laughs> this is very true avar is stunning in the comics and like, and elzar too like like, just be yeah. a thruple. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Are they? I mean... Maybe. I feel like they could be. <laughs> Listen, they're very clearly Anakin, Padme, Obi-Wan, fix-it-fic. I just can't wait for more from them. I know we've been, like, in the YA, like, pocket for a bit, and I've really been enjoying that, and I finally feel like I've connected to the YA characters. But I, I'm excited to go back to our three main adult Jedi's. Yeah, well, and I'm excited that it's it's gonna be Claudia too. So, <laughs> um, so the last thing with Edge of Balance is the, there's a little bonus chapter at the end. Oh my gosh, I was dying. <laughs> I like I I open this bonus cha- chapter. I'm just like ugh, probably gonna skim through this. It's probably gonna be stupid. And, like, lo and behold, it's this whole joke about Galaxy's Edge, basically. So, like, they go into this cave and find these little bird people who are stealing cutlery and, like, dishes from the village. And they're, like, these little bird people carrying sporks. And if you guys don't know, when Galaxy's Edge opened... At Docking Bay 27, you you could get these sporks with your meal to eat. They weren't throwaway, though. They were, like, good quality 
sporks and people were stealing them. So Disney took them away and started selling them for $10 in the gift shop. (laughs) So I really had a good giggle with this story about the little birds stealing the sporks because they were very clearly sporks. Like they were not forks or spoons. Well, because you like, here's the thing. So I did skim it. And I'm just like, okay, bird people, they stole stuff, whatever. And I, I, that was the end of it. And then when you said sporks, I went back and I looked at the, I like really looked at the picture and I'm like, that's literally the spork (laughs) from Galaxy's Edge. (laughs) So that was pretty, that was pretty cute. Um, So yeah, like with Edge of Balance, honestly, like as part of the High Republic, it's not my favorite, but it is still good. Um, I think I would recommend it, but I do kind of want to see where it's going. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it was an easy, very quick read. Like, I I definitely recommend it. The drawings were really nice. Yeah. And so um, the story was by Justina Ireland, but also um, Shima Shinya, uh, mm-hmm. who does, like, mangas and all of that. And then the art was by Mizuki Sakibara, I think is how you say the last name. Um, and yeah, it, it is very beautiful. Um I I really wish it was in color, honestly. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just, it's so pretty. And I'm like, you know it would have been, like, so vivid. All right. So, moving on. Shall we jump into the Tempest Runner or should we jump into the comics? Let's do comics. All right. So, with these comics, these have been coming out since Wave 1. Like, we got the first one. Yeah with those I just first hadn't, books. I just hadn't read them. I was waiting to... I pre-ordered the collections of issues 1 to 5. Mm-hmm. Which issues 1 to 5 is an arc called There Is No Fear. And I, I have been reading them um, month to month. I fell a little bit behind recently, and I just read a whole bunch all at once. Um, but the beginning of this, like, whole journey with the higher public is basically the jedi of starlight beacon they discover the dringir threat um that's out in the outer rim and they're the ones who are going to put a stop to it so like in the rising storm you hear about avar out in the outer rim fighting the dringir like this first arc is the build-up to that and we need a new character i didn't know much about keep Trennis before i read this just last last week, I guess. It came in on Tuesday, a week ago. Um, and so Keep Trennis is um, a Padawan who just becomes a Jedi Knight, like, right at the beginning of the comic. Yeah, she is... I love Keep. <laughs> she is hilarious. She swears so much. <laughs> it's so funny. Like... Honestly, I couldn't have thought of a better main character for these comics because she is so un-Jedi-like sometimes. Like, she's very bombastic and has, like, a bigger personality and she swears a lot. And, you know, like, it's Kevin. Like, Kevin. Do you think that... I Like, I wonder what... How they're taught, like, when they're raised at the temple, like... I wonder if she got in a lot of trouble. Probably. Well, doesn't she remark, like, early on that she's going to, like, try to stop swearing? She doesn't. She just continues to keep on swearing. Oh, my gosh. She's like Roy Kent. Yeah. (laughs) That was amazing. She's like like a girl Roy Kent. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, like, she's out in the Outer Rim, and it's just, like, her and her master. Her master is Skier, who is in Light of the Jedi. He's a Trandoshan? Yeah. Yes, a lizard man. Um, lizard man. He loses his arm in Light of the Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, so he, as, as Alex alluded to, he gets a tree arm <laughs> later on. <laughs> um, I do like Skier. I, so, like, here's the good thing about the comics is that there are so many characters in Light of the Jedi. It's a lot. But at least you get the visual aspect of it in the comics. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, this took a step back and it's like, okay... Here's Skier. Here you go. Like, let's just, let's yeah, boil him down. Yeah, you don't really get Skier, like, in the flesh in anything else. Like, you get mentions of him, but you don't get an idea of, like, what his personality is. Yeah. I, I like their relationship, too. Like, 
everybody else, like our little Padawans with our masters are, uh, they're all very different. Like Vernestra and Stellan don't talk that much. Um, obviously, Emery's master died. Uh, Wreath's master died. <laughs> gets a new one. So it, it was interesting to see them because she gets knighted and then they continue to work together. Like they're obviously yeah. very close. And like Skier is not doing well after the events of, um, you know, like the great disaster. And that's what kind of leads him to fall prey to the Dringir. Yeah, well, he thinks he thinks he can just, like, kill them. Yeah, you cannot just kill them. What was so interesting about it, like, we learn in Into the Dark that uh, these plants are very dark side. Like, so much dark side energy. It's interesting to me that with all these Jedi, are like, dark side equivalent are plants. Like, <laughs> we haven't plants. seen <laughs> Sith. Like, we haven't seen dark force users. Well, I kind of think the reason for that is because I think we're seeing them be created. Yeah. Not necessarily the Sith, yeah. but I do think we're seeing oh, yeah. them be created. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> There's something interesting that happens in the comics. Um, you you see a little bit of it in um, issues one through five um, because Skier becomes connected to the Dringir. They communicate um, through something called the root mind. Um, it's basically like a hive mind thing. Reminds me of Dark Crystal. It's very Dark Crystal. It gets even more Dark Crystal. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> Oh, I think it's, like, issue six. Um, okay. It's very Dark Crystal. It's, like, when um, Mother Agra, like, brings them all in. There's a scene like that in issue six. But in order to save Skier from the Dringir, Keev, like, kind of goes into his mind as well and also becomes connected to the root mind. And she begins seeing these other people who are also connected. And one of them is a Sith. So she's kind of being haunted by these ancient Sith from the past. Yeah, it's uh, things are really heating up in the comics. Um, I liked issues one through five, but issue nine is... Maybe I need to catch up. Issue nine. (laughs) Yeah, so with the first um, couple of issues, we also are introduced to these Jedi twins, um, Jarrett and Serret. Mm-hmm. Non-binary twins. <laughs> yeah, non-binary twins. They're really, really cute. They are um, regulars. They continue to come back again and again and again. Um, mm-hmm. We also get to see a lot of Avar. She is, you know, in charge of yeah. Starlight Beacon, so she's in it a she's lot. She's not in, I was going to say, she's not in one to five I feel like I thought that she was going to be in the more. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised when, like, he really becomes the main character, I think. Yeah. Um, but she is, like, there kind of as, like, a guiding light. Like, that's the point of, of her, is that she is this guide for the rest of the Jedi. Yeah. Well, and, like, as we know from The Rising Storm, Avar decides to join with the Hut Cartel, um, which you do see in issue five to try to defeat the Dringir. And issues six through eight is called the Heart of the Dringir. It's when they go to the Dringir homeworld. They are going to, you know, beat them at the source. And it's it's a lot. Like, Avar calls on as many Jedi as she can. And she's really struggling to defeat this threat. Like, even though she got this, like, outside help and she's bringing in all these other Jedi, um, I think her relationship with Keev is really interesting because Keev sees things a lot differently than Avar does. They're very different Jedi. Mm-hmm. Or Avar presents herself as a very different Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there's more, like, I mean, we know there's more to Avar than what meets the eye. Like, she's very, like, don't judge a book by this cover. She's, I think, very non-conventional under all of that convention that she throws around. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think The Fallen Star is going to be her book. <laughs> I'm still convinced that The Fallen Star is Starlight Beacon. 
But it could be more than one thing. It could be more than one thing. It could be more. Th- so like Kevin Scott is like currently working on like issue 15 of the comics. So like we'll mm-hmm. be issue like these come out monthly, like issue 12 or like 13 will be like leading into that. And like the comics are all about the Jedi of Starlight Beacon. So I kind of feel like it's it's pushing us to something. I'm not sure yet. I don't like I almost think that like the obvious isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like at, like all this talk about Emery like you using his like emotion, his like sense emotion kind of thing being kind of dark sided and I really don't think Emery's going to fall. I no. do not think. I think that's kind of misleading us. I wanted to um kind of round off like where we're at with the comics right now. So we discover that Dringir threats. Um, we have the heart of the Dringir, which is literally wave two. And I feel like issue nine is like starting, we're starting that bridge into, into you know, wave, wave three. three. So this is the crawl for issue nine. Um, it's the beginning of an arc called the Shadow of the Nile. The chapter is called Jedi No More. And it says, the Nile have struck. The Republic Fair on Valo intended to be a celebration of unity and progress. It has been razed to the ground. Thousands are dead. While the attack was underway, Marshal Avar Chris was leading the charge against the insidious Dringir on Mil- Miluta. But the Dringir blight was a feint to keep the Jedi of Starlight Beacon from rushing to Valo's aid. Now, months later, the Jedi have been charged with chasing down the Nile wherever they run. The response is being masterminded by Jedi Council member Stellan Geos, but passions are running high even amongst the Order's finest. The Nile are on the run, but they are not defeated yet. Yeah, Lorna D's smart. Yeah, well, it op- the opening scene in issue nine is them talking about how they think Lorna's dead. Um... Because we see in Tempest Runner, like, we're kind of transitioning into that, mm-hmm. that the Jedi of Starlight Beacon are the ones who attack her ship. It's it's Keeve and Skier and all of them. So they're talking about how they think that she's dead, and now they want to know, what are they doing? Because they're scrambling, they're kind of going to ground, and um, somebody is going to infiltrate the Nile. And how do you remain a Jedi when you also have to pretend to be a Nile? This reminds me of Dark Disciple. It's it. <laughs> it I will really just is. say Dark Disciple is one of the best Star Wars stories. We are moving into Quinlan Voss territory, let oh, me just say. Oh, Quinlan Voss. Like, <laughs> if you take nothing else away from Please Read Issue 9, it is Quinlan Voss. <laughs> How do you still remain a Jedi? How does Quinlan remain a Jedi? How do you remain a Jedi? I just... Wave 3 is going to be dark. It's going to be dark. Which is crazy because, you know, Rising Storm was was dark. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, I'm so with, excited. Yeah. I cannot stress enough that these comics are by Kevin Scott. <laughs> um... Just Kevin wow. Scott, the man. The, the man, man of the hour. <laughs> Cav. Everybody, a round of applause <laughs> for Cav. Taylor Swift actually wrote Reputation and Lover about Cav Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Joe Alwyn who? <laughs> Cav is London boy. Oh, he's London boy. <laughs> oh my god. Wow, that's that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> All right, so that does bring us to Tempest Runner, which is by who? London Boy. London Boy, of course. Um, this is our third audio drama. Um, the first one was Dooku Jedi Lost, also by London Boy. Um, and then <laughs> we also had Afra, which is by Sarah Kuhn. And this is the story of Lorna D who was it you know she was doing some stuff in uh out of the shadows she's kind of she's very high up in the nile and we haven't really learned anything about too many people in the nile yet 
And I have to say, after like listening to this audio drama, I really like Lorna D. Me too. Now I'm like invested in the Nile too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. I want to see her girl boss take over. <laughs> <laughs> She's a girl boss. She is a girl. She she like wrote the handbook for Gaslight Gatekeep Girl mm-hmm. Boss. So like the interesting thing about Tempest Runner and I guess Afra is the same way where it's it's from like a future perspective telling the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pen is like telling this story, and we see Pen in what story is it? Um, Light of the Jedi. Light of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we thought he was dead, um, but it turns out that he survived, and he is out for revenge. For, out for revenge, for sure. Yeah, um, which was really interesting. I, I was really shocked when he came back. And this story is told in, like, six parts, and it's, like, the story of how Lorna gets captured, she gets taken and put on this um, prison ship, and then she kind of reflects... On her childhood, we see how she came to join the Nile, how she rose up, and then eventually we see Pan catch up with her and attack this ship, and it ends with her basically (laughs) taking over this entire prison ship and being like, you guys want to be my Nile crew? And they were like, yes, and now this ship is hers, and she's going to rejoin the Nile on her own terms. Yeah. What a boss. just... A force to be reckoned with. Like, you can't kill Lorna. Mm-mm. I don't think you can kill her. She... I'm, like, worried about the Jedi versus her. Yeah. Well, because the thing about her is... Um, and there's this great video recap. Um, I had to watch it because it's, it's been a little bit since I've listened to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I will link it down below because they do a really good job of recapping the story. Um, but they mentioned that Lorna has been manipulated and used her entire life. And by the end of the story, like, she almost turns good. Like, she almost almost does. But then she realizes that, like, the person she was trusting was also kind of using her. And that just causes something to, like, snap in her. And she's like, I'm tired of being used. Well, that's the thing is that she's been, like, manipulated her whole life that she just, she doesn't want to be, like reporting to someone anymore she doesn't she wants to be in charge of her whole own life mm-hmm. like being a slave she'll get this power to be able to do anything which is very anakin like being raised as a slave and then finally believing that he has this power to take bring people back from the dead like he is his own boss except he never really becomes his own boss because palpatine's a puppet's puppet string master but you know like i kind of see that comparison well she really what we're kind of learning about the nile like i think we kind of talked about it with out of the shadows is that it's a place to go where you have when like you didn't have any other place to go like Like anakin yeah exactly and i think lorna with her story like it's devastating like she gets betrayed by somebody who she was in love with her whole family gets murdered. She gets sold into slavery. She becomes a cadet and people hated her and she thinks she killed somebody. So she runs away. She joins the Nile. Like it's, it's relatable. And I could see, you know, somebody like Nan, who is now kind of working with her instead of Marky Mark. I could see somebody like, um, a couple of Jedi even sympathizing with her. Because yeah, she has a point. (laughs) Mm-hmm. She's crazy, but also, is she? <laughs> She's very, like, girl boss Kira in that way. Mm-hmm. She reminds me a lot of Crimson Dawn Kira. For sure. And, like, it makes me wonder, like, what what Jedi have, like, motives to side with her? The thing that's gonna get our Jedi will be you're just pawns. You're being used. I feel like it's going to be Stellan. Yeah, but you know who has just been feeling like a pawn and, like, feeling used? Vernestra. That was, like, her whole story in Out of the Shadows. Wow. (laughs) 
I like, I, I know the obvious choice is also Elzar, but like I just, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Stellan is not gonna leave the order unless something happens, like something major. <laughs> I don't unless know. Unless something happens, something could always happen. Stellan is gonna go through something. Something major is gonna happen to Stellan. I'm worried for him. This Nile, like, the Nile's gonna outsmart them. Like they're yeah. they, they're leading this crusade this crusade on the Nile right now, and they think they're winning. But the thing about the Nile is they're always like one like three steps ahead of the Jedi. Yeah. So something's gonna happen, and it's gonna be Stellan's fault because he's the well, one leading the when charge. Remember he thought the Chancellor was dead on his watch. <sighs> he was crying over her body. <laughs> Like, the, and she was fine. She was okay. Yeah. But, like, imagine something, like, actually happens that is his fault, and, like, it's not, like, a psycho. Like, it's, like, something actually happens. Like, that's why I'm really worried about him, because I think that if something, he has too much pressure on him, there's a lot of pressure on him. He could be the fallen star. I just, like, Lorna is so charismatic. She's so persuasive. Like, she gets a lot of friends in the story, um, one in particular named Seston, who she does let go because she was this older prisoner who just wanted to see her kids. Like, deep mm-hmm. down, Lorna does care about people. You see that all throughout her story. Like, she does at, in some capacity, but she's constantly being pushed around and constantly with people who don't return that. And that's what's, like, hardened her so, so much. It's really, like, she just feels like she can't trust anyone. It's very Kira. It is so Kira where Kira feels like her only way to survive is to keep girl bossing. Keep girl bossing. May have girl boss too close to the sun. (laughs) Yeah, like, the pivotal moment here is, like, Lorna D kind of gets close to one of the wardens. I I can't remember if it was, like, Wittick or Woodick, because we listened to it, um... It was a good ship. It was a good ship. But he was kind Mm -hmm. of looking out for her for, like, personal reasons. Like, he did care about her, but it it was more than that. And that's what really did it in for her. Because when she was young, she fell in love with somebody who she trusted. And um, basically lost her entire planet because he betrayed her. And then he murdered her parents and her family. And so... That's a little bit of a sore spot for her. Yeah, definitely a lot of trauma there, which, granted, with all that trauma that she has, she just doesn't trust anyone anymore. Mm-mm. And she is out for herself. Like, I, this really sympathized with Lorna G. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder, so, like, what do you think of how uh, Marchian was portrayed in the story baby very baby he was like little baby yeah he was like ben solo (laughs) um yeah his father was like terrifying Um, yeah like so abusive and like so scary and he was just a little bit so like obviously he didn't have like a father like ben solo like han wasn't an abusive father right yeah no it i keep thinking about where we saw him in Light of the Jedi, where we saw him in... They try to make him really terrifying, like yeah. his little, little baby. He, yeah, he does seem really baby, but he also kind of seems like he might be going a little over the edge, like a little crazy. Yeah. And, like, I can't figure out, like, obviously they're both villains, but, like, who's who's the villain? Orna, I think. But even, like, I mean, after Rising Storm, I w- would have been, like, Orna. Yeah. Like, no question. But then the Tempest Runner makes you sympathize with her. Yeah, like, I, I really do think she's going to try to overthrow him, for sure. Yeah. And I I kind of feel like he's got bigger plans beyond the Nile, because he's, like, doing all these tests with Jedi. He's, like, really obsessed with the Jedi and, like, the, the Force. Force. Yeah. I don't know where they're going with Marky Mark. Well, he's getting a comic... Like Kylo yeah. Ren. But is that a prequel, though? It is. So I, I think it'll be kind of um, About maybe like this. 
you know, giving yeah. us more motivation for him. And that'll be part of um, wave three. With this book, it has me really intrigued to get that. Because, like, yeah. now we've seen where Lorna comes from and we see her point of view. So I'm really interested to see, like, the pieces come together with him. Mm-hmm. The only the other thing I think about is we are only in wave two of phase one. Yeah. They could be long gaming the big bad to being one of the Jedi. So when I was looking at the timeline, I did see something <laughs> that I didn't recognize. Oh, it's, what? It's something called the Nameless. Is it just Nameless or is it called the Nameless? It was called the Nameless. And I was afraid to click on it. It had a link with it because I was afraid it might have been like a spoiler because I was trying to look at oh. timeline and it it had summarized everything that we'd gotten with the High Republic so far. It was a complete timeline of like all of galactic history. And then it okay. was like sometime in the High Republic era, it said something about the Nameless attacking. And I'm like, what is that? Um, so I'm like yeah like I, I almost think that like Lorna and Marky they're, s- they're small fries small fries Jedi big bad let me see where is who is the nameless where's the is High Republic there's the High Republic Seth. so I love how the High Republic starts with Avar Chris being born <laughs> um, which is kind of funny um, the Drin Gear, blah blah blah, attack on Cyclor. So it just says so after, um, basically out of the shadows. That's kind of where like the descriptions end. It just says during the High Republic era, chronology unidentified. Um, something about Nile Raiders torching something. It says the Nameless threatened the prosperity of the Jedi and the Republic. Now, this might be a spoiler, <laughs> but that is... Um, Unless that becomes Lorna, like, if Lorna is kind of reborn, is that... For sure. I clicked on this nameless thing, and I'm afraid to read it. <laughs> I'm just going to backspace out of it. Um, but yeah, no. Either like, way, I kind of feel like the big bad is yet to I I think the, the big bad is going to be within... I, I I really think where we're going is civil war. Like the the Jedi are gonna split into Sith and Jedi. I mean maybe. <laughs> I mean maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Like they could honestly do so much, and I love that. Like I love that they could create. You know, like what is acolyte? Like we know that's where we're headed. It's probably about Palpatine. I don't... Don't say it's that. It's gonna be, like, a song of serpents and whatever. What's it called? What? Snakes. A song of snakes and... What's that book called? <laughs> the Hunger Games book. Oh, a ballad of songbirds and snakes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's what I think that we're gonna get. It's not what I want, but I think we're gonna get something like that. We're going to get some Palpatine romance, some child Palpatine. <laughs> I don't want it. Uh, no, but he, his one true love is Snoke, Alex. I know, Snoops. it's going to really, up, it's gonna really upset, upset the Snoops shippers. <laughs> no, it'll canonize Snoops. That's what it's going to do. <laughs> it's going to canonize Snoops. Unfortunately... Snoke is a child, yet a child, and he is not born in the time of the Acolyte. (laughs) What even is Snoke? (laughs) Snoke is his second love. It's okay, like, you can fall in love with with another person. (laughs) Because, like, in A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, like, Okay, like, spoilers for Songbirds and Snakes. Like, fast forward, like, 30 seconds, but, like, that character dies. Yeah, she does. (laughs) That book is so bizarre. I don't understand why that book was written. I really do not. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. Um, But I do know that, like, High Republic is so good right now. 
Like, this is my joyful Star Wars. Well, that's why I just, like, worry about that 2023 release. Yeah. Because nothing is good, is as good as publishing. Yeah, they're killing it. Like, Star Wars, like, Star Wars, like, movies haven't been as good as The High Republic since The Last Jedi. I guess Resistance, too, is really good. I just, I just really wish that the story wouldn't be driven by nostalgia anymore. Yeah. I just wish that stories wouldn't be driven by how can we squeeze this character you guys all know into this. Yeah, that's that's what's gotten really tiring. Like Yeah, and and you know what? Like and and that's not me like criticizing bringing Boba Fett into the Mandalorian. I actually I I quite like like Boba Fett in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But he's and, a character and- who like They've used him. Like, they've done stuff with Boba Fett, but, like, it's kind of different, almost. Yeah, I, like, I do I do actually kind of like that story, and and I will obviously be watching the book of Boba Fett, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm, like, a little bit hesitant. I think my, my expectations are low, so I'm hoping that, like, whatever that gives us, I won't be disappointed in. Hopefully I'll just I'll be decent, and it won't be, oh, like... Look at this character. Look at this character. I don't know who they could bring into Boba Fett that I would be, like, annoyed by. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, there's all this speculation recently about Ventress coming back. And, like, that would be the place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I love Ventress. So do I. I, I like, have such mixed emotions about her coming back, though. Yeah. Because, like, if she comes back, I would have wanted it to be, like... Have you seen, you've seen, like, the stage show for Wicked, or, like, you know how that wi- ends. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, so, like... You think that her and Quinlan, like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, like, her and um, Fiero. Like, yeah. that's what I think. <laughs> that's what I would have wanted. <laughs> so, like, her oh. still being around, you know, like, this far into the future, I, I my first question to her would be, what happened to Quinlan? <laughs> Where did he go? Well, did he survive the Order 66? Oh, I don't know. Part of me wants to say yes, but I actually don't know. So yeah, like, basically with any live action stuff, I'm just very hesitant. But everything is so new with High Republic. And it just feels so, like, explorative, you know? Like, they're just exploring the limits of Star Wars and, like, really having fun with it. And you can really feel how much these authors, like, really enjoy the content they're making right now. It's been very enjoyable. <laughs> I know. We don't have anything else for High Republic until January. I'm kind of sad. We get a little break for um, Visions and Ronin mm. and Boba Fett. Wow, we're getting... Lesser we're getting Evil, stuff. Queen's Hope. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. Those two books. Those but- two books. Lesser Evil, I will probably listen to on two times speed from the library. Yeah, it's so disappointing because the first <laughs> new Thrawn was actually was good. really good. <laughs> um, and then Queen's Hope. I will get from the library. I do not want to buy this yeah, book. I don't want to own this I book. Only, I own Shadow. So do I. I don't own Peril. I do own Peril. <laughs> It is what it is, I suppose. As long as she doesn't get brought into the High Republic, we're going to be... Or, or writing Obatine. One fear. <laughs> one fear. <laughs> I was like, I didn't have that fear, and now I'm like, one fear. <laughs> um, but is there anything else about um, any of the High Republic stuff before we sign off? No. Nope. I'm good. All right. So next up, um, we will hopefully be diving into some Visions stuff. And then other than that, um, for episodes, kind of thinking, going back, watching Loki. We haven't talked about that on the show yet. Um, Maybe some Serpent and Dove. Have you finished Mm -hmm. Serpent and Dove? The face says no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe this week. There's been a lot of... New music recently. Yes. Halsey dropped their album. Which is very good. It was very good. I think it might win album of the year. Yeah. Um, Bridgerton, that should be in... I don't know, I forgot to put that in our recs earlier. 
the unofficial Bridgerton musical, I can't stop listening. <laughs> it's really like I really like it. I um yeah. It's really good. <laughs> and the Bridgerton ball that's coming up. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there is a lot going on. I understand. But I'm just saying, there's no, this trope. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but that's going to do it for this episode of Lipstick and Lightsabers. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, you can find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon, and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.